Welcome back to the Rotovis Fantasy Football Mailbag. This is the week, the championship week, week 17, where your fantasy season will either be won or lost. I'm Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand. And of course, for our Rotovis Mailbag, the most important one of the season, who else to have on than the great Jeff Radcliffe from FTN Fantasy, Sirius XM host. You hear him every day. I heard him this morning. Hardest working man in the business. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff Radcliffe. He has joined us on the road of his mailbag here, the New Year's Eve episode to help you win a fantasy title. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I am quite well. Uh, I am tired. It's normally the week where we can sit back and relax and maybe play some DFS. Otherwise, uh, look forward to the postseason, but the NFL had different things in mind for us this year, so we're pushing to the finish line. I, I tell you what, on a Thursday, it's not bad to not have Thursday night football, and I do like the level playing field that we have this yep. week for a lot of folks out there. I mean, hey, there's only the one game on Monday night. There's only really three fantasy-relevant players who most teams in fantasy championships will be using. So we're not starting out in a hole. We're not worried about uh, pop players popping up on COVID. I mean, we're still worried about that, but not as much as we would be if we had to make decisions for yeah. Thursday. So yeah, yeah, man, I'm I'm fired up here. I only got one team through to the championship round, and uh, it was a tough one. It's been a tough playoffs. If you survived this gauntlet, and you're still listening right now. Congratulations! But let's push to the finish line. It was a pleasure meeting you at Flex Leagues, Jeff. And listen, you're selling yourself short because your Flex League team did make the playoffs. I was actually sitting between you and Andy Barons. To show you how bad I am, both of you made the playoffs and me sitting in the middle did not. So you did a great job there, man. And a lot of it, I think, has to do right with the co with COVID, with the questions and the subs and everything like that, because you can draft a great team, but when you get to the playoffs, you need some things to fall the right way, like a Plinko board, if you will. Yeah, yeah, Plinko. I guess it's a good metaphor for this season because sometimes, yeah, the the, the chips would go in various directions, and if they and if it it went the other direction on that on that uh, whatever they call it. is it the plink? What is that? What is that called? That it it's those those metal spikes. Uh, yeah, yeah no, it goes the other direction. Yes. Maybe it works out better. Uh, and it's especially you know it's it's bittersweet in a lot of instances. Like I had teams with like Elijah Mitchell that did quite well. And now maybe yeah. he'll be back this week. I had Mike Evans in a couple big spots. And now all of a sudden the dude is practicing out of left field. Maybe he'll be back this week. Yep. But you know what? Ultimately, though, it, it was it's one of those seasons where if we can get through this, we pretty much get through anything for fantasy purposes. So there is that I'm a positive person. So uh, I'll give it give it that positive spin here. Totally agree with you, man. And listen, you are killing it. Sirius XM, one of the best in the business. FTN Fantasy, you guys had a great year. You know, everything was so uncertain coming off of last year. So talk about the great things you have going on here at FTN Fantasy and Sirius because you jumped right back into the swing of things, Jeff, like, you know, even with what we went through last year and killing it as always. Well, you're really kind. Um, and, and I'm really proud of what we've been able to accomplish at FTN. We started this company in the middle of a global pandemic when sports were not going on. <laughs> so uh, I had a yeah. lot of a lot of folks who were like, wow, you're leaving PFF right now at this moment in time. But, you know, honestly, uh, I love PFF with all of my heart. And, and without PFF, I wouldn't be where I am right now. 
but you know, it was time. It was time to to see what we could accomplish in, in a different uh, circumstance where I can talk about other sports beyond football. And and you know, mad respect for PFF. And it was a great was um you know wasn't like a messy departure. They were very cool about everything, and and obviously still have a lot of close friends over there. And I'm excited to see what they've done. You know, they I was there for ten years. You know, eventually yeah. you get to a point where you can move on to other things. And like Ian is doing a great job for them, mm-hmm. uh, especially we see uh, you know Nathan doing such a great job. It all the guys over there, Andrew Erickson. So it's it's it was good for everybody. But FTN's going to get better. FTN's going to, we have stuff going on behind the scenes that I can't even talk about right now, or else our CEO would probably have my head. Uh, but it, we're bigger and better and on to, to new things in 2022. But great year so far. And, you know, the Series XM thing, I just love doing and love doing the CBS show. It's just, this is a dream job that a lot of people, I know they say it's a dream job. It's, uh, it's a lot of work, but it I definitely beats digging ditches, that's for sure. Uh, and you're certainly great at it. I know Elliot real well, of course. And you guys, uh, check it out, folks. FTM Fantasy, just some great stuff over there. And Jeff's work is is all every medium you could possibly imagine. Jeff, we are huge zero RB guys here. Disciples of Sean Siegel. Sean, of course, killing it in a lot of finals here, FFPC, things like that. I'm curious on your reflective thoughts as we move into next year. How do you think this season, with the way the running backs shaked out, with all the injuries that occurred to some of the early round running backs, do you think that will have a carryover? Do you think there'll be a knee-jerk reaction when people go the other direction? Or do you think running backs like a Derrick Henry, like those guys like a Zeke Elliott, even Dalvin Cook, will be even more valuable next year? How do you think zero RB rolls to next fantasy football season? I find that the casual football fantasy football player does not know how to execute zero RB. So that's why historically I haven't recommended it to a lot of the folks who I'm giving advice to, because I find one of two things. They either partially commit and then bail on the strategy or they go way to zero RB and really screw themselves that way, too. It's a great strategy. It really is. If it's executed correctly, it's a great strategy. And this year showed it. You know, think about it. If you're listening right now, think about the opportunity to pick up a top 20 or better running back in the last couple of weeks. It's every week, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the Duke Johnson of the world we don't see see coming. We Ronald Jones was widely available last week. Mm-hmm. Justin Jackson was so, uh, widely available last week. And the list goes on and on and on and on. You're able to find these guys. Heck, I had somebody start Rex freaking Burkhead against me last week. <laughs> dominated. Dominant like performance. That. Dominant. Dominant. <laughs> guys like that are available. Are you finding a top 25 wide receiver on waivers right now? I mean, if you are, okay, Isaiah McKenzie, somebody's going to say that. You didn't pick up Isaiah McKenzie. Nobody picked up Isaiah McKenzie. You're not finding that. So if you have the wide receiver uh, core of you know three or four top 20 guys, you are steamrolling right now. So the viability, it's never been more viable. I just think that more people need to look into how to actually execute the strategy on draft day. I advise that, and people call it different things, hero RB. I, I always mm-hmm. say punt RB too, because that's basically what you're doing. And I like to call it what it is, where you draft a running back in the first round, you get a top 10 guy, then you just fade the position until the late middle rounds, ordinarily where you would hit it with zero RB anyway. 
Uh, that way you at least have that anchor. That's another name people use, the anchor RB, whatever whatever you want to freaking call it. doesn't matter to me. I find that's a better strategy for the casual player, although I did find casual players abandoned that strategy too early and then would wind up with like, oh, Mike Davis was there in the fifth round. Well, it didn't work out this year. So, I, yeah, I, I still think people are going to covet RBs early on which for those of us who like to zag when everybody else is zigging, it's going to be another viable strategy yet again this year, both zero RB or hero slash punt slash anchor RB is going to be viable yet again. And we're going to set ourselves up really well in 2022 as well. Curious to get your thoughts on some players for next year. Kyle Pitts, it did not live up to the billing that he got as the overall tight end four in the preseason. However, He broke Tony Gonzalez's mark for most yards by a tight end in Falcons history. He needs just 11 yards to pass Julio Jones for most receiving yards by a rookie in Falcons history. And he's 128 yards over the final two weeks to break Mike Dicka's tight end record of 1,076 yards in 14 games. Kyle Pitts, where do you think he goes next year? I hope eighth round. Like everybody, <laughs> Kyle Pitts sucks. Okay, no, he doesn't, and that that has really annoyed me when they are calling him a bust. Like that's not a bust for fantasy purposes. Terrell Pryor and what was that, twenty sixteen or yeah, whatever that was. Yeah, that true. that right there is a bust. And I always refuse to call players who got hurt a bust. That's just not a bust. It's an injury. It's two totally different things. Guys who actually play the entire season. And don't perform well like Terrell. That was a colossal bust. That was an all-time bust. Mike Davis this year was a bust. A lot of people thought that he was going to perform well for fantasy purposes, and he just simply didn't. That's fine. I'll call that a bust. But Kyle Pitts, we're really that far. Our expectations were that high for a rookie tight end. I I get it, but at at the same time, what you know, Kyle Pitts was drafted as tight end four, right? Where does he rank yep. right now? He's he's tight end five. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, I have I'll break out the tight the Jerry Seinfeld. He's tight end five. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he's tight end five. What wh- I just don't ex- I don't get the the ideas that people have for tight ends. Like the position sucks for fantasy purposes. It it doesn't suck for real purposes. It's amazing for real purposes because those dudes are in the trenches. They have to block. They have to be wide receivers at the same time. But for fantasy purposes, it's broken. Uh, If you can have a tight end who goes out two for 12 and a touchdown and outscores a tight end who has a couple more catches and, and a few more yards, it's a broken position for fantasy purposes. And when we have people running around calling Kyle Pitts a bust by finishing He's going to have a thousand yard season as a rookie tight end, which is insane. Yep. He's uh, he's going to be right up there. I don't know if he actually gets the receptions mark for rookie tight ends. It's Keith Jackson, I believe, right now, but he's going to be right up there. He just hasn't scored touchdowns. Now, let's put it this way, though: Hayden Hurst is on the COVID reserve list right now, so we're. I'm telling you, there's a chance we get in the end zone this week. Of yep. course, Matt Ryan has to throw to the end zone first. Yeah, of course. And him going outdoors at Buffalo, that's always a questionable situation. And you're right. Listen, 64 receptions, going to be over 1,000 yards. It's the one touchdown. But talk about some touchdown regression, which we saw, Jeff, with Cooper Cup this year. You get the receptions. You get the yards. The touchdowns will usually aggress. If he does, he's going to have a monster year. The second guy I want to ask you about, Christian McCaffrey. This has been two seasons now where we've had major injuries. Impossible to predict. But my question is, he was the overall slam top running back each of the last couple of years, where do you place him next year? Yeah, it's a good question. It's 
I mean, you obviously can't have him as an elite option anymore because these things start to mount up. And, you know, it, it's interesting when we think about back to the evaluation phase. So we're coming up on that for this year's rookie class. The evaluation phase on Christian McCaffrey was uh, he is fantastic, but he's too small for the NFL. And it's not like he's a tiny little guy. He's not Jared Patterson out there or anything, but a little bit slight in terms of his build. And now when you look back on it, like fantastic player, yes, but maybe he's a bit too small. And now here we are. This is going to be his sixth year in the league. He's played a total of 10 games over the last two seasons. The injuries have mounted up. He had that massive touch uh, volume in 2019, the year that really cemented him in, in a lot of our minds as this cream of the crop option. I can't see where I'm going. You know, I, I can't say I'm, I, I don't have rankings done right now. I'm not going to have him, obviously, as, as part of that elite conversation any longer. But at the same time, right. you know, there is potential value to be had. I could see him being like a second round guy where a lot of people are off on him. And if you take a stab on him, you could possibly end up with something good. But he's got to stay healthy. And on top of that, yeah. they do need to get a quarterback in there. You know, they have and they don't have the quarterback of the future on the team is the quarterback of the future in the draft. Probably not. So that means you're going to have to make some sort of splash, whether it's a huge potentially volatile Deshaun Watson like splash, or it's a conservative, but starting quarterback splash like Kirk cousins, somebody like that. I don't know. It's that's a great question. And, and I could see a lot of people being turned off by him, especially after drafting him first overall each of the last two years and it not working out very well. One guy, Jeff, that I was totally wrong about this year was Jalen hurts. I, I just didn't see it. And I was even a naysayer when he was rapidly scoring those points in the fourth quarter where it seemed like for three quarters of the game, there was a chance that he was going to be taken out. Then he'd have a massive Blake Bortles S fourth quarter. And now he's pretty much leveled off and he's been pretty consistent. So Jalen hurts next year, a lot of upside has grown, didn't have a ton of weapons, but has really started clicking. Now, where do you see him next year? Mm, Philadelphia has to answer that question for us. (laughs) <laughs> Do they bring in somebody, you know, this is a team that has tremendous draft capital. They now officially do have three first round picks because Carson Wentz did pass the threshold. Uh, the 75% of the regular season snaps, it, even if he doesn't play this week, it, he's still going to be well over that. So they have capital. Yep. I don't think this is the year you draft that quarterback. I mean, there's going to be a couple quarterbacks in the first round. It's nowhere near what we saw last year or the last couple of years for that matter. But do you make a splash? Is this, uh, um, I, I, I don't think it would be Aaron Rodgers, but would it be Russell Wilson? Would it be Kirk Cousins? You know, again, do you think that he's the quarterback of the future for you? I, I can't answer what Sirianni and, uh, and, and Howie Roseman are, are thinking right now. Honestly, though, they go in and they make the playoffs. A, it's going to be hard to move away from him. B, if they yep. win a playoff game, it'll be even more difficult to move away from him. If he is the starting quarterback, though, to answer your original question, he is very clearly a top 10 fantasy option. He is right there in the elite conversation of running quarterbacks, a healthy uh, Kyler Murray, a healthy Lamar Jackson, maybe the only two that I put over him right now in terms of uh, just just the ability to run as a quarterback. He's right there. And I think there are times where he shows potential as a, as a passer. 
you know, you have Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard in that in that uh, offense that, that really do help the cause. I'd love to see more out of Jalen Rager. I think every, especially Howie Roseman would. Yep. But ultimately, I don't think you don't you don't really need that much more for him to uh, produce with his arm. So yeah, this is not a fluke. He produces with his legs, and the way that we score things for fantasy sets things up that way. Let's do the humble brag, Jeff. The one guy that I've really nailed this year was Cooper Cup. I'm in the Action Network fantasy against Chris Raybon. Good luck to me. But really carried by a focus on Cooper Cup at the wide receiver position and Najee Harris, players like that. Give me somebody here who was your big hit from the preseason that you felt you nailed spot on. And then our listeners always ask, give a miss. Someone that you 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 know you always said, you know what, I was wrong either way on them. Well, I was wrong on Trey Lance until this week when he goes out and puts up a big, yeah. big stat line. <laughs> yep. Unfortunately, too little, too late on that one. Um, you know, it, it it was it set up like it was supposed to set up like it was it was a monster play. We were looking for the next Justin Herbert type. Yep. And um, well, Kyle Shanahan just had a different plan in mind, and that it is what it is. I, I don't know, you know, preseason wise, I kind of I do toe the line on, you know, or give essentially conservative recommendations. I have found that if I if you run around and you're I love this guy, I love this guy, I love this guy, it's usually a recipe for disaster for fantasy purposes. Mm-hmm. But I will say that over, you know, right before this actually happened, I said that Rashad Penny, there was just too much talent in him for folks and this so this wasn't a preseason call this was a call as it was happening but I did have him as a priority ad right before he blew up I said it on national TV on CBS Good I said call. it's wise to get him and then he went out had the big week of course he had another week where he got hurt but then last mm-hmm. week yet again he's just too talented and th- and that was a team that wants to run the football it's a team that had Alex Collins who's just a guy and he's only been just a guy throughout his entire career Yep. So you get Rashad Penny in there, and then all of a sudden it starts looking good again. And so here we are down the stretch. Rashad Penny, a surprising RB2 with upside. Yep, excellent call. Snow did not deter Mr. Penny from posting points as well. Jeff, I'm dying to get like a fantasy football fear factor, survivor, one of those things going here. Of course, you'd be at the top of that list. I think it'd be great TV. My family loves Survivor. We watch Fear Factor. What is the one thing that Jeff Radcliffe would be like, you know, I'm not sure if I can do it. I've had everyone on. I've asked this question. Mm. I've heard buried alive. I've heard spiders. I've heard snakes. I've heard Neil Dutton said he has weak ankles. So jumping over a building in a high place would not, would not be good. What's the one fear that if you were on the show, you'd be like, you know, this is going to be a problem. Oh man. Well, so it's interesting. I don't really know fear factor that well, but I knew, I know survivor very well. And, and I love, if there was more fantasy attention to survivor, like a fantasy survivor game. Sure. But, um, I think my greatest fear on survivor, like the reason why I would lose survivor is because my mouth would not close and I would immediately rub people the wrong way. And therefore (laughs) would get voted out pretty rapidly. Like I wouldn't make the jury. Uh, and so, There's that. Uh, as far as like, I, it would have to be like eating something, you yeah. know, that that would be the one thing where I would draw the line. 
Uh, I don't have weak ankles, fortunately, so there's that. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to be like eating some of that weird stuff. I don't know what the mind state is, though, if you've been out there for 20 days and they put something weird in front of you. But I know if it was like fear factor and I'm I'm there and it's day one and you put some crazy insects in front of me, I am not comfortable with that right yeah, there. Totally fair. Week 17, I want to win a million dollars, Jeff. Give me some insight in some DFS plays, any position that you've sure. noted here. I think you've tipped your hand already, maybe with Trey Lance, but you know, find me the Rex Burkhead of this week, will you please? Give me some insight into some players that have caught your eye as we get ready for one of the last DFS weeks of the season. Mm, good luck on the Rex Burkhead of this week. <laughs> well, who's the old running back who hasn't hit? Because two weeks ago it was Duke Johnson. Now it was yeah. Rex Burkhead. So who are we looking at here? Adrian Peterson was just put on injured reserve, so it can't possibly yeah, be right, him. Right, right. Uh, you know, I don't have that player, but what I do have is a couple insights that I think are important. First and mm-hmm. foremost, Antonio Brown is 11 yes. catches away from a third of a million dollars. He is less than 100 yards away from another third of a million dollars, and he's one touchdown away from a third of a million dollars. This could be a million-dollar week for Antonio Brown. People want to create narratives in fantasy football. They want to say, oh, the the, the, the Bucks are going to just blow him out, and Tom Brady's not going to throw, and uh, whatever. He's going to throw. They they want to get him to this number. And so I love Antonio Brown. Uh, last week, if you played the Bengals, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and and it's the, that was the important thing, and either Jamar Chase or Tyler Boyd, you won all of the money. You, you won all of the money last week if you had that stack. This week, that stack in that game is Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and... And it's either Van Jefferson, who's a lot cheaper than uh, Odell Beckham Jr., or it's Odell Beckham Jr. I could see either way. And honestly, it worked either way last week. If you had Chase or Boyd, it worked either way. This week, that matchup is against a Kansas City secondary that is not getting enough uh, respect, by the way. So I am outright fading those guys, not using any Higgins, not using any Jamar Chase this week. But I am going after it in the passing game uh, with... uh, you know, with the the Rams guys, and I, I'm going to tip my hand for something I'll talk about on Sunday morning on CBS Sports Network. Brevin Jordan is cheap, and yeah, Brevin Jordan, one. I don't think he's going to put up a monster stat line this week. But 2,800 for a guy who is seeing four, five, six targets at tight end each week with Davis Mills, not bad. Like not good, but like not bad. You know, Davis Mills credit where yeah. credits due. I'm using Brevin Jordan to save some some dough there as well. So yeah, basically giving away like three quarters of my lineup right now, like my favorite lineup that I built. But whatever, you know, I'm I'm a nice guy. So there you go. Excellent call, Brevin Jordan, super athletic tight end out of Miami. Absolutely, that that is the type of player, Jeff. We wanted to hear you never disappoint. I'm going to give you four rapid fire topics, and I want your gut reaction, either word or phrase, when I say it. Here we go. Russell Wilson's team next year. Uh-huh. Cleveland Browns. <laughs> oh, what could you imagine? Oh my God. Excellent. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback next year. Hmm. Uh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. <sighs> I, that sheesh. That's so tricky. Tough. I'm trying to think of who might be. Because I don't think Russ is a very good fit there, and I don't really have a quick instant. Is it Rodgers? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. 
you know who I think would be perfect for them? I don't know if he if he if he gets there. Is Jameis Winston on a one year deal? I don't know if he is or not, but Jameis Winston would make the most sense for me. I always thought he made the most sense for them. Just the way he plays the game. Excellent call. Odell Beckham. I could see Odell having a big, massive year next year, coming back with the Rams, settled in, and I could also see it go in the other direction. Where do you lean on Odell Beckham in 2022? Probably the same range where I am right now. Fringy wide receiver too. I, I mean, the the, gen, the genie's out of the bottle with Cooper Cup, but Cooper Cup at the same time, like I, I can't say this enough. We do not call these historically good years because they happen every year. Right. This is a historic year for Cooper Cup. The consistency is off the charts. The target volume is off the charts. He could potentially break Michael Thomas's receptions mark as well. Yep. It's historically good. So don't expect it next year. That being said, he's going to be wide receiver one on most people's boards. That's not going to be a huge shock. But I think there's more than enough meat on the bone here for Odell. So, yeah, fringy wide receiver two, like right around top 25. And last one. Jeff, I'm curious, what do you think of Cliff Kingsbury as an NFL head coach? I am worried the predictability factor continues to yeah. to come into play. Uh, you know, we we rarely see head coaches in the NFL or offensive-minded coaches in the NFL, let's call it that, offensive coordinators, offensive head coaches, offensive-minded head coaches, where they do not move their receivers around. Part of uh, part of moving receivers around, you get a receiver in, in a mismatch. You get him in the slot against a slot corner who he has a, an advantage against or, or what have you. You're keeping the defense on their toes. They don't do that there. Now, yes, they do run at a fast pace, and they have the advantage of having an extremely athletic quarterback at their disposal, but the predictability factor. Remember Chip Kelly, and I'm not saying if somebody don't at me on Twitter right now, I'm not saying he's the next Chip Kelly, but Chip Kelly came in initially, whoa, what the heck is this guy doing? And then a year and a half later, it's like, yeah, this is exactly what this guy is doing. They didn't move receivers around either in any of the Chip Kelly iterations in Philly or San Francisco. Those receivers stayed in their spots. I'm not saying that you can't be effective without moving guys around the formation, but my worry is that it becomes too predictable. At the same time, though, the organization has made massive steps forward on the defensive side of the ball. So credit where credit's due, because part of being a good head coach isn't that you're just a, a football mastermind. You have to be a leader of men and a leader of of coaches. And it seems like he is capable of doing that. So I don't want to write him off. I just do have some concerns though, that you reach the crucial part of the season. You would look like a dominant force for much of the year. And now all of a sudden you kind of just look like a team who might sneak into the playoffs as opposed to a team that could steamroll their way to the Super Bowl. Jeff, this has been amazing, man. Last question. Then I will get you out of here. I want the football fantasy football championship week 17 bold prediction. I want to know what do you think when this week ends and people are looking at their trophy and staring at their team, the one sort of shocking thing that you could see happening, either a player having a massive week in week 17 or somebody busting here? Last question. Give me the Jeff Ratcliffe week 17 fantasy football championship bold prediction. Well, I will say first and foremost that I am absolutely terrible at bold predictions uh, because my mind just typically doesn't work that way, right? I tend to think in the middle – Try to think like what is the most likely outcome, not what's actually going to happen. What's the most likely outcome? 
So I, I think we're going to see a couple quarterbacks, though, that really could surprise. Obviously, we talked about Trey Lance. He could be a surprise, but it could it could also be another Tyler Huntley week. Um, Lamar Jackson, a lot of people saw the, the video floating around that, you know, he was sort of gingerly walking around after a, a pass at practice. Uh, he, you know, certainly could not be out there. He he wasn't out there for the media portion of practice today, so we'll see if he actually plays. So another Tyler Huntley week. It could be a redemption week. It could be a week where guys who down the stretch haven't done much or weren't on the field due to injury come back and are huge factors. I'm looking at DeAndre Swift. I'm looking at Elijah Mitchell as redemption week type players. So I, I would not be surprised if those guys went out there and and had big games. And it's also a week where I think a lot of people, if they're chasing last week's points, are going to be disappointed. Rex Burkhead, who we talked about, but another one, Damian Harris. I know that, yep. hey, oh, let's just fire him up. Well, last week was basically what we expected out of him with one notable exception, three rushing touchdowns, which we would never predict in a million years, plus no Ramondre Stevenson, and he's back in practice off the reserve COVID list. So chasing last week's points may not be the best result for a lot of folks out there. Absolutely perfect. Folks, Jeff Radcliffe, one of the legends in the business, CBS Sports, Sirius XM, FTN Fantasy, just all over the place. Got to meet him uh, this this summer. Just a great guy as well. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff Radcliffe. Jeff, amazing to have you on here in the most important week of the season. Thanks so much for a few minutes in your busy schedule and best of luck at the championship yourself. Yeah, Mike, I, I appreciate that. And and seriously, you know, you guys listen to this podcast. Mike is a fantastic guy. We didn't know each other before sitting next to each other for that, you know, hour and a half, two hours of the draft and thoroughly enjoyed his company. And I'll tell you what, of the strategies that were used that day, Mike had an aggressive approach that he yeah. stuck to throughout the course of it. And honestly, you know, thing, a few things break differently your team would have been so contrarian that it could have utterly steamrolled. It was the Taysom Hill thing that yeah. ultimately, if that went just slightly differently and it yeah. wasn't Jameis, all of a sudden you were off to the races and you would have been a juggernaut. So I really appreciated the strategy, the different thinking on, you know, where a lot of people were going one direction, you didn't. And then, of course, the great conversation as well, my friend. You got it. I owe you a drink. I'll see you at Flex Leagues next year, Jeff. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.